Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. And I'm Robin, and today on Books That Burn, we are discussing The Marrow Thieves by Cherie Demeline, or Demeline. For our factions, there's a lot of characters, so we're just listing some of them. We have Frenchie, Mig, Wab, Minerva, Riri, Rose, Frenchie's dad, and Isaac. Our first topic is food scarcity. So they're basically um walking to try and stay alive and not get killed the whole book i mean even even without them walking yeah every every backstory chronically the way that they as mm-hmm. a group are treated individually and as a culture uh they're just not handed the resources to survive like our 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 point of view character Frenchie was hungry every scene we've ever seen him in, even yes. as like a a small small child. So they're yeah. just not being given the resources to survive, and that includes food. Yep. And then like they are hunting, they're scavenging, but like you know, like it, it's scarce all around. I mostly mentioned that they're walking because it means that. They're not really in a position to be able to, like, store a bunch of food if they had a windfall. I mean... Um, or at least it's harder, um, because yeah. anything they wanted to store, they'd have to carry while continuing to move for the majority of the book. Uh, something I actually think is important to touch on in this topic. So, we've had other books. Um, there's a couple in particular that we really, really, we really, really talked about this with where robin and i had a difficult time reading them because of the way that food food scarcity was handled and this this is not saying that those books are bad this is saying that like from a reader perspective we had a difficult time with other books robin before i tell you my experience with this book how was that for you reading this one well keeping in mind that i uh, did read this more than a month ago um 
I, you said we should do food scarcity as a topic. And I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) sure, we can do that. I'm pretty sure it's our minor topic and not one of our two major ones. And Nicole's like, it was constant. And I'm like, oh, I believe you. But (laughs) it wasn't um, repeatedly triggering for me in a way that other books have been. This book, I thought, did an excellent job of just making it a thing without making the reader experience it. Uh, So I finished this book yesterday. No, that's not true. It's now Sunday morning. I finished it two days ago. Uh, But I read this book pretty much all in one day. I started at about 9 a.m. in the morning and I was done by about 1 p.m. in between other things. In comparison, there is another book that we have covered that is maybe a little longer than this one, I think. Um, I don't have them right in front of me to compare. But I had to stop reading about every 20 minutes and leave. And I had to read this book with like chips next to me that I was slowly eating (laughs) because otherwise I was not okay physically reading it. Yeah. the And that's not this. That is absolutely not this. This, you are always aware the entire book that they are very hungry and that they have very little, but you aren't experiencing. The wording is such that, like, you know they're hungry because the character is like, okay, we're still hungry. All right. We're going to go get food. Hungry still. All right. <laughs> but it's not this character panic. It's not this focus on how good things would taste if you had them. It's not... You know, it's not like this character is like, we have to eat things that are not rotting and not rancid, but you're not spending time describing how bad that rot can get. Yes, yes, that is definitely um, a distinction. Just like we'll obviously get to this in the wrap up. But just overall, this felt just just filled with so much care on all the topics. Oh, yeah. In in general, as much as was possible. But this one specifically, this is something where like. Mm -hmm. It's hard to write a book that both conveys exactly how bad that food loss is without making it be triggering to somebody who has had a similar thing in the past. And this and bo- like, this book you know, did a great job. And at no point did you ever go, ah, yes, they have been fed. Like, there's like one point where they get like enough food that they're just fed and you know that it's happening and you feel really good for them and it it conveys that feeling really really well but even then they focus on like the two things that they eat that they really like the taste of for our main character they don't spend time with the character just uh and tomorrow we shall be hungry again and it will feel like this like that doesn't happen and and you know everyone's thresholds for this are different and it's yeah. possible that you know, your threshold is even lower than what ours apparently is and that this still will be like stressful oh, yeah. for you. That's, that's that is absolutely possible. possible. But um, having read books that were so stress, having read a particular series that was so stressful that we had to pause and record uh, the other topics on a different day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, actually this have to do isn't that. this isn't <laughs> like that. We did food um, scarcity one day with the plan of doing all of them and went, no, actually, never mind. We're not talking anymore now. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, so with this, it, it just it feels more like this is part of the logistics that we have to do. And it it matters. And it is frequently on the characters' minds. 
but it I don't know it's just but it, it's, it's not a thing more... that our characters just spend pages contemplating it's a thing that our character goes ah yes Look, he's okay got time I'm still hungry be... and I'm here's the thing I'm doing about. I feel like that's the other thing too okay that's another big difference that I want to highlight um mm-hmm. And I'm not, again, there's multiple books that we're talking about here. We're not comparing any one particular thing. Um, yeah. But in a lot of books, it's very tempting to like, I say this because it seems like it's just a thing people do. Maybe that's not right as an author. Maybe people just make a choice deliberately. But like, it seems mm-hmm. like the the easy temptation is to just describe how the hunger feels and oh they found food okay 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 well now they're hungry again and then you describe how hungry feels again and again and again and again whereas Mm -hmm. this book it was okay cataloging yes i am still hungry yes i still feel like this this is similar to that other time when also i had something that was spoiled or poisoned okay now what am i doing about it (laughs) and then it's okay well the thing i'm going to do about it is that this character the character is going to sleep or the character is going to go find a different thing to eat or the character is going to give their food to another person because that person is five seven like very small um and you know so there's there's a lot more of like okay we are still hungry this is accurate however here's the thing that i am doing in that moment because of or connected to that hunger and it's not just somebody sitting there going ah hungry ah tummy hurts ah my legs like that it's a big difference yep those are mostly the things that i had on this topic i just I thought that was important because that's not a thing that we uh, talk about all the time. But when we do, it's a big deal for us reading it. And I thought that that was, um, I thought that oh, was, a, yeah. this is a good one to recommend where if that is a thing for you and you like reading books that do a good job, highly, highly recommend this one. And when we get into our biggest topic, I will um, talk about this more, but like this book, is not a it is it is officially speculative fiction not marketed as a dystopia and it made me rethink how i read certain kinds of dystopias um and the way it handled food scarcity is of a kind with the kind of epiphany thought things that i had um but I will definitely talk about that much more in our third topic. All right. Our second topic is PTSD. Um, I'm uh, gonna... Robin, can you mm-hmm. just tell our audience your initial question and reaction when I suggested this topic? was uh well my my basic question and so that nicole knows my thought behind it was is it ptsd or cptsd um was whether or not flashbacks were involved but you you asked about flashbacks because and that immediately made me think about how (laughs) that's very common that's a very common depiction of this thing regardless of ptsd or cptsd it doesn't matter what the author intended flashbacks are the go-to for displaying this trauma like, you know, if you need to convey that your character had uh, what we have previously called Hollywood PTSD, you can put <laughs> in flashbacks. Um, this isn't that. Uh, no. no. And uh, the the extremely brief difference between PTSD and CPTSD. CPTSD 
doesn't have any one individual inciting incident, whereas PTSD much more classically does. That's the extremely brief, I am not a psychiatrist distinction between the two. Yeah, CPTSD is compounding or multiple events or over a long period of time. Yep, where you can't say, oh, that was the thing that gave me this. That was the moment. Um, You can't do that. You can't do that, but yeah, definitely have PTSD. It's probably CPTSD. Well, I mean, but that distinction doesn't even matter for our discussion, I think. Oh, sure, sure. Um, There's no individual event to flash back well, Two, no, that's not true, though. There is. Huh. Okay. I guess there's the this one. This is why I'm anyway. saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter sure, sure. because the author doesn't give us enough things that we as uneducated laymen who can mm-hmm. give that distinguishing characteristic. And also, it doesn't matter for our discussion. Because the thing that I think is important to talk about with this topic um, is not only that it's not flashback focused, <laughs> um, but... A big thing that these this character and uh, to be clear the the PTSD label we are putting on uh, we're talking about our main character our, our Frenchie our point of view character and a thing that happens so much in about five to ten pages for this character over and over and over is this character is waiting this character is in a good spot for a moment we're not going to actually elaborate on what that is because spoilers. Um, but this character is in a good spot for a while. For about 10 pages, this character is continually over and over and over expecting and waiting for things to happen again. This character is unable to relax and can't figure out why. And this character is like, ah, happiness? Ugh, no. I don't like it. <laughs> Feels weird. And I don't want else... to engage. People are laughing. People are dying. How can you laugh? Like, it's a very, that's overdramatic representation of even what happens. But like, you know. This character is just moody and unable to really sit down and and be with other people Mm -hmm. and is upset that people are happy when, like, another character is potentially in danger, they think, for now. And, like, he just can't. Um, And at at a certain point, we have other characters who call them out and are like, hey, you've been really different in the last couple of days we are able to relax. Why are you worse <laughs> now that we're, you know, trying to relax? And then he, another character asks this character what it is they're hoping to find that they're still looking for. And this character gets so angry because how dare you? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm, you know, and, and they're angry, not because they're asked the question, but they're angry because that question they think has an obvious answer and they don't understand why it's even a thing that they should be asked. They're so upset that, that the idea that like, maybe they're the only one who is, you know, X, Y, Z. They're the only one who's still paying attention. They're the only one who's still alert. They're the only one who's still angry. They're the only one who's still upset. They're the only one who's still sad. And like, that's not true and it's objectively not true in the pages like other characters are depicted as feeling the same way but this character feels like the things that are happening to them are still happening and is angry and upset that they don't know what to do when something seems better than that because they're like there's like 10 pages of this and on alert yeah yeah because they're still because that i mean that's but that's the thing is like they're they're still and now to be fair their circumstances are not over like this is not better 
But like, that's the whole point is that they can't even sit down and spend like two or three days with other people not (laughs) expecting to die. They can't do it. I mean, like, there definitely are ways where like that current situation is better. But like the giant problem, the giant overarching huge problem is not solved. Right. But like they they can't even sit down and just enjoy eating with their friends because, oh, Mm -hmm. my God, we're all around the fire. I mean, we were talking about like food scarcity. They can't even enjoy a little bit where it doesn't feel scarce. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure like the group has to be careful, but like it's it is they're not dealing with so many of these other things that they have been dealing with for like the rest of the book until then and there's no just uh, emotionally they're they're not ready to pause being vigilant for a second and it's you know the group is vigilant but like part of that is that as individuals they're they're finally in a place where like they can you know be on shifts for whatever kind of watch is <laughs> well, needed, both like literally and emotionally. And and Frenchie just just can't. Well, and that's that's the thing that really like struck me about this is like this character is constantly angry that other people aren't quote unquote taking this seriously. But like the entire camp is preparing and training yep. and looking after each other and fixing things and getting ready to tackle the problems that Frenchie is like emotionally sure that they're avoiding. Like nobody is ignoring this. Nobody is quote unquote moving on, whatever. Like that's not happening, but that's not how that, that trauma works. (laughs) Yeah. And this character is just unable for like a while to even grapple with that even a little bit. Um, and also and it's, like, it's compounded went- by some other things that are like being dealt with and whatever. But like we just we just see over and over this character is just angry and upset because they don't know what else to be or what else to do. And like he he went from from being in this very small group where the group is so small enough that even the fact that the very youngest kids weren't necessarily and sometimes were on like vigilant and like concerned or whatever went from being in a group that was so small that literally one member not being up on things would mess up everything to having that safety net yeah he yeah just, he just having like i think what it. 50 people in their group something yeah like you, if like, you have yeah. 50 people in the group if all of your band of 10 is not on watch that night like that's not a problem you have enough other people there that like that's okay they can cover that gap it's not a gap at that point even you're just have different people that are you know responsible for your safety but like you know this character takes a look around their own little tiny group fire and goes one two three four five six seven eight nine ten we're gonna die and that's it right And then their way of dealing with that, because they know that that's not actually true, is just getting angry and yelling at their friend and then leaving. (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) okay, you know, there's there's nothing else there that they can do about it, and they don't know what to do with that. And this is one of those where, like, trying to have the perspective of like the author picked this trauma for the the characters, and they, you know, characters don't hurt characters. Well, 
it completely makes sense yeah. with everything that has happened to this character so far that they would be unable to just instantly switch to relaxing and right. in this way and um and I, it just i would it argue makes too sense. none of the other characters switch to relaxing that's not a thing that happens oh no but he he thinks he that thinks that they are yeah right so like he's he's wrong it's not like they all right. were like <laughs> party town <laughs> like they just you know aren't doing something during i don't know the 10 minutes that he sees them around the fire at camp because the rest of the time they were up doing stuff right for the thing right like, like they were actually like you know doing all the things that he's in his own head accusing them of not doing like yeah i mean and okay to be clear i'm I'm not saying this character sits down in the book and lists like everybody is terrible and people are oh no, lax. no, no. Like, that's not what's happening but we just see over and over like them just getting angry and also the thing that i think um is important that is noted in the book a couple times uh, i can even get page numbers if we want me to um is that this character gets suddenly angry and has a line that's like i don't even i'm not even angry about this what is happening to me ah uh, whatever but like that that thing of like they're not actually angry because they're angry and they don't know why it's happening and they also don't know what to do with it because they weren't like ready for it that's a whole thing <laughs> and it's just depicted so well in this book yeah and and like for me personally that experience is super super familiar and i read that and went oh yeah that is how that happens cool cuz that's not normally how that's depicted All right, our last topic is cannibalism. Okay, I do not want to get into an internet fight over whether the settlers were literally eating the indigenous. I mean, people. we don't know. At this, well, point. yeah, we don't. We've not know. been given like we don't. We don't know if they're eating them. We don't know if they're turning it into medicine. If you'd like to quibble about the distinction between those two, I point you towards the history of medical cannibalism like as a thing like yeah. even if you turn things into medicine it's it still counts as cannibalism yeah so but having we are, we are said calling that, it this because we don't have a, a different better definition for it and it does fit that yeah. definition yep absolutely so uh the way this was handled in the context of speculative fiction and shockingly not classified as a dystopia and you know having read it i think very rightly so um this made me rethink how i like read and approach body commodification dystopias as like a thing because if i you know told you that they're taking people's bone marrow there are literal factories referred to where things are being processed like in most dystopias you'd get a view of the factory yeah and here you 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 don't it's it's not like there's a um talking about like how the author handled this topic there's a lack of voyeurism yes that is refreshing and palpable and um just just so different 
from a lot of the other stuff that I've read. And I think part of that is this, um, this thing where you didn't need to have a story about how specific it was that a how how awful it was that a specific person yeah. has been hurt by this in order for it to be horrible. Like there is that. We do get those specific stories, but it's not here you must emphasize with em- empathize with with a person and then they are put into the murder machine of doom and now <laughs> you can be super duper upset that a murder machine of doom exists. No, it's not it's not like that. And it just this was just so that approach was so just just transformative and refreshing for me to read, having read and enjoyed a lot of other dystopias, especially ones that I would classify as body commodification dystopias, um, some of which we have covered. Um, and uh, so one of the things that we know is happening um, in the book is that like the basic premise of it being the marrow thieves you know the thing that's in the title is that um there's this thing where um because of the climate change woobity woo this is speculative fiction uh settlers have lost the ability to dream but indigenous people can still dream um and settlers can and for some reason they're so it messes the settlers up so much that they can't dream that they're dying. Um, again, I refer you to speculative fiction. Um, <laughs> as someone who doesn't dream a ton, I'm like, I don't know if I'd noticed that I stopped dreaming, but like, whatever. Okay. As someone like, who didn't just... do REM sleep more than once a week for most of my life, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. We're not saying get rid of your REM sleep, but no, like, okay, cool. But also Speculative like, fiction, this is, this is the premise. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and so then they start, um, they, they, they figure out that indigenous people are still dreaming and, um, they decide that the solution to this is to kill the indigenous people and take their bone marrow so that they can ingest it somehow and use it to be able to keep dreaming. And, it's like that's the premise which and and we don't like follow the settlers doing the thing we don't you know we know there's murder factories that are you know c- converted from um the uh pre like the real world existing uh uh school things um but anyway they this is this is handled without needing a factory tour in order to make us empathize empathize with the people being murdered and and just as really good uh and one of the things that's happening is like they get so like you know if you need to not have the here description of the little that is shown in the actual book this is where you should exit we'll catch you in the wrap-up um and we're getting into spoiler territory here. But so that there's a bit midway through where um, someone who has been trying to find um, he's, he's been he's been trying to find his husband and he knows that he was taken to one of these factories and he 
finds um a jar of a jar of marrow labeled with information consistent with his husband's and he's like okay all right i found him and he's dead and like that's it but in terms of like trying to find him but also he takes the jars and pours out uh the marrow into it was into water i don't remember if it was a lake or a river river a river yeah pours the marrow out um to give them like some kind of of end that isn't cannibalism (laughs) um yeah and it's it's this just that is the closest we get to seeing the factories is someone like intercepting a truck exiting one of the factories um i don't think that a a um a a story about when that person intercepted this truck and and did this thing because it happened like before the main events of the book um yeah and it just it 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 centers the it centers the victim of the victims of this as just people because they are and like if you're thinking like oh no this is totally how any book like dealing with this topic should be i'm like yeah uh generally speaking yeah i agree i also hadn't come across it before um this is a this is a big reason why i generally don't read dystopias Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't i mean you know i i don't like that it's not interesting yeah it's not fun there's nothing about it that i want to read if your character is just like you just get to like 3d zoom on all of the things that make them suffer forever and that's the whole story and there's it that's it like i just find that really really boring for me personally so like reading this i was like no i actually like this book i actually really like this book and yep. it is absolutely a dystopia novel but also you know it it actually felt like there was a thing that we were doing if that makes sense like um and i realized that that's like again like robin was saying like kind of the the point of a lot of dystopia mo- novels but like it doesn't have to be and yeah. it was nice to read a book that you know took those things with a little more like i don't want to say care explicitly cuz it's not i'm not saying dystopia novels don't but like just treated it differently and treated your your reader like they weren't like they didn't have to experience it with you yeah and you know if if uh as an someone in the audience your immediate reaction is but that's what i i like about dystopias and it like this book calm down this book isn't shelved with the dystopias um, oh it's so not? like oh interesting no it's okay. not it's it's shelved to speculative fiction not dystopia ah, i see yeah and i think the the this difference in its approach is to from from my like I was not involved in categorizing it perspective. <laughs> That's probably part of that difference is the way it doesn't have that voyeurism. Right. And also the way it's 30 minutes in the future um, as part of the premise is, is also definitely part of what makes it speculative fiction. Um, yeah. So, uh, but the fact that like Nicole's like, oh, wait, it's not, a, it's not grouped for the dystopia. I assumed like, mm, it would no, be. <laughs> no. 
no, it's not. Uh, but it is, uh, like, uh, and, and then, gosh, I want to spoil the ending so bad. I will not spoil the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't. Okay, it's, so. it's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. And I just really, really like it. And I'm, I'm ready for the wrap up because I want to talk about how much the care this had with stuff. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I'm the host of CPOV Autographs at CertainPOV.com. It is a bi-weekly interview series where I interview folks from all over the arts, from writers to comedians to magicians to musicians, even actors, historians, podcasters, pretty much anyone who's willing to chat with me for a little bit. If you like interesting conversations with even more interesting people, go to CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, music is life and life is good. Hello, on to the wrap-up and ratings for the gratuity rating for food scarcity. Um, There's a lot of very small mentions. Yeah, it's definitely like not that, mild. Yeah, it's not, I'd say moderate. moderate. Moderate works for me. Yeah, like it's frequent, so you know, if, if the level that's happening... Yeah. That it's not very much, but frequently, you know, if that's too much, okay, it's too much, but I don't think it's severe overall. Actually, no, I think there are a couple of scenes that are more severe. Okay. Um, I think the gratuitous would have been the other series that we had looked at before. So, I mean, it's definitely, and it's definitely not that. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what we labeled it before. Um. I, th- I think there are specific scenes that are severe, but I think that the overall is moderate, so maybe severe. Okay, you want to put it as severe? Okay. Yeah. For the PTSD... Um, this is pretty severe. <laughs> yeah. It's it's It takes more care, for... which we'll get to, but it's it's severe. Yeah. It's a quieter style, but it's yeah. very present and instantly recognizable if this is the one you have um it's just not the hollywood version for cannibalism i this is severe it's it's severe i will say um given what the word cannibalism means we don't like have literal scenes of we don't have scenes of it but in pretty much every other way it is severe then are the traumas integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? I I think that the food scarcity is integral to the plot. Like this, yeah. if this had, if they'd been doing what they were doing and they never had to worry about food, it would completely break immersion in the book. Uh, uh, I don't think it would break immersion, but I think it would be a very different book. For me, book. it would. And, it'd be, and yeah, it'd be make, a very, very different book. And they make a lot of decisions based on food is another thing like just considering like there's a couple of scenes where they wouldn't have done a certain thing if they had enough food or they wouldn't have gone and rested a certain place if they didn't have enough food or you know so it's definitely a a a, an affecting factor in how the book actually works yes yeah definitely integral all right the ptsd um i think this is actually interchangeable 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, some kind of reaction makes sense. It didn't need to be this. It didn't yeah. need to be in this way. Um, yeah. There's there's other characters that we see that have different reactions that... Yes. There's other things that this character could have had that would have caused similar outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interchangeable all around. For the cannibalism, integral, it is integral. It's the plot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the whole con- premise of the book. <laughs> Yeah, the, it's the whole point of it. Um, now I'm trying to think if we've ever had a book where the topic that was ostensibly the whole point we ended up rating uh, as interchangeable or irrelevant. We have. I don't know, but this one is we, not that. We have. <laughs> uh, Nicole looks at spreadsheet. Oh, yes, we have. Nicole uh, does not need to look at the spreadsheet. Nicole remembers <laughs> books that we've we got to the end and we're like, wow, none of that needed to happen, huh? <laughs> like, uh, no, yeah, is, that's happened. This is, this is definitely Anna Girl. Uh, all right, our by now less brand new but still new-ish rating. <laughs> How clear is the moral directionality? Oh wait, no, we're not there yet. Sorry, whoops, you're right. Uh, was the <laughs> Whoa, trauma treated with care? Yeah, so, I, Robin, we talked rating. about this in the topics. That doesn't mean we've yeah, covered yeah, it yeah. already. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that that's what happened <laughs> there. Probably mentally. Uh, food uh, scarcity. So- I want to mm-hmm. say enough. Mm, yeah. I mean, like it is. This is a difficult one. This definitely falls in those categories of like you can't really have care and still have it really be depicted. Um, yeah. And this is not just ah, I'm hungry today. Like it's not just that. Like there's actual like people that have symptoms of being hungry. Um, but it's it's taken with with care so in pretty much every other way. Yeah. Um, then for the PTSD, I I think it was treated with care. Yeah, I'm either between just yes and enough somewhere in there. I mean, the, if I'm here's like, my argument. What? Here's my mm-hmm. argument for why it is enough and not yes. Okay. There was no, the thing that would have pushed it over into just a yes for me would have been our character on screen actively tackling and working on it. And I don't mean, I don't mean in like a, you're going to be healed today kind of way. I mean, like if we had seen this character actively recognize that, oh, okay, the thing that I'm doing, the thing, the way that I'm reacting, this is not, you know, and redirecting themselves or taking steps to you know, have safe care for themselves or anything like that, I think would have pushed it over into yes. Instead, we just see this character just have these reactions and the reactions themselves are treated with care. But the the concept of it, um, you know, somebody reading this book, I look at it and go, yeah, that happens to me. But like, let's say you're reading that and you don't have a way of coping with it. You're just going to go, ah, yes, me too. Okay, well, now what? <laughs> um, right, right, right. So I, I think it's enough, but I don't think it's yes, because our character is just kind of having it happen to them, which is its own brand of not enough, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, we can call that enough. Then for the cannibalism. I also, for the record real quick, I don't think mm-hmm. that making that happen in this particular book would have made any sense. I'm not saying right. anything should be different. I'm just saying that that doesn't push it over into just care. Sure. 
And I know that there's more to the series and I haven't read it yet. So if that happens in a future book in the series, then awesome. But yeah, just it didn't happen yet. So Grimoire has lots of opinions. Most of them are about how the door is closed, but she says hi. Grimoire has okay. what? Lots of opinions. Oh, opinions. Okay. She has so many opinions. <laughs> okay. For the cannibalism, I... I don't know if... This is not going to be yes, because yeah, you can't. Yes. Right. It's not going to be no. <laughs> right, um, right, right. It's hard... It's hard with this topic because I think if I personally, as a human being, am the reader, I think it was treated with enough care. But I have no actual uh, cultural or personal history with anything that this book is pulling from. And like, I I want to say not enough because I think that it directly references and correlates certain things in history that are extremely triggering and extremely yes. traumatic. So I think not enough, but like not because it was a bad experience for me personally reading it. Yeah, like one, if if the very like, if the very premise is triggering for you, it's just not a book. I mean, I I would say even without the premise, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to list spoilers here and I'm not going to reference these things. But like, you know, there there are particular historical, actual real life things that are not supposed to happen anymore that in the book were restarted to assist with the book's premise. Yes. So like, I I think that it has to be not enough because I don't think either of us is qualified to say that it is enough. And so, yes. you know, to couch that, <laughs> I would, I would I say not enough, agree. but I also think that like, this is going to be your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not enough, but we are also absolutely not in a position to say what would have been enough. Yeah. That's just not our lane. Um, for all right, now we're finally getting to the moral directionality. Okay, so I think the moral directionality, in terms of like the macro stuff, is extremely clear. Yes. Um. No. But I. Um, can I guess what you're going to say. <laughs> Yeah, you can quibble over whether, like, yeah. certain tactical decisions, like, they have, like, within the group, there is uncertainty over over what they should be I, doing in a given situation. I actually want to push me... back on that, because I mm-hmm. don't think the decisions on what they should be doing are moral decisions. I think they're just okay. practical decisions. Okay. Um. So, like... I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe we should or shouldn't, you know, stop now or go another hour, but that's not a moral decision. Oh, no, I just, uh, especially later on in the book, some of their tactics, like, have different moral implications. But I I do think overall the book is is very clear. Like, you don't walk away uncertain about what. Yeah, I I don't think that any of those. I don't think that any of those tactical tactics with moral implications, I don't think they actually, like, give us a muddled story of the morality oh, no. of the characters i don't or the book itself like i don't think that that happens i think it's just characters grappling with what they can oh, yeah. and can't do <laughs> if that makes right. sense like uh, i don't yeah, actually I, think that affects our book rating 
Yeah, I wasn't thinking it was muddy. I was more pondering whether it was maybe tangled, but like not. Nah, I don't think it's so. It's very, it's clear. Yeah. Because yeah. even when a character, without spoilers, even when a character does something that could theoretically be not great, like that character is not okay with it. Like it's not, it's not, even if they're making decisions that, that aren't as nice, like they're not exactly like, yeah, this is fine. Like that doesn't happen. It's the moral and the practical colliding, not yes, an uncertain yes. view of what the moral thing was in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. The point of view for the trauma and aftermath. So generally speaking, it's um, Francis. It's Frenchie for the whole thing. But there are sections where people tell their own stories. And so those yeah. individual sections... Um, are from uh, the perspective of the person who lived through that trauma for the duration of that story. I'm writing Frenchie slash flashback. Yeah. Because, you know, it, I mean, it, but it's still even when after that flashback is over, it's still it's still Frenchie's like, yeah, experience of hearing it that we get. So it's, it's right. just still all him. We're getting whatever thoughts the person decided to voice out loud. Yes. All right. For, which also then means that the aftermath is Frenchy because right. it's right, right, what right. he's seeing for everybody. All right, for trope spotter, the trope is walking the earth. Sorry, no, I changed my mind. No, okay, I did go with. <laughs> I, I considered you can't go home again. Um, and I think that one is irrelevant, but not quite right as a trope. Um, but for bonus points, that one's also in play. But yeah, uh, walking the earth, um, I think, fits this one pretty well. Um, both in like a, both in the some of them are journeying to try and find things, and also that they're literally doing a bunch of walking for most of the book. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. What was your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Oh, boy. I enjoyed actual, practical, realistic hunting as a group techniques. Um, descriptions of ways that they were walking and why. Descriptions of doing it well or badly. You know, descriptions of, like, just how to actually practically look for food in the in the wilderness um in a way that makes sense and like tracks with my limited real world experience um and like not every book does that a lot of books are just we hunted and got food <laughs> right right um i okay my my favorite um non-traumatic or rather i might say restorative uh, part about the book is the ending which i will not spoil but oh, i yeah. i really really love the ending uh it's it's great especially when i was like really worried about what was going on with like the trying to remember if it was the only queer character or at least the main queer character um 
Yeah. And I, there's a couple. I really, really, there's a couple. I really, really love how it ends. And I don't want to say more without spoilers. Grimoire, don't spoil the book. <laughs> All right. Grimoire's like, but why? I want to speak. Give me voice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for the Marrow Thieves. I am absolutely planning to read the sequel. Um, just uh, so good. So good. Um, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks